Chapter Twenty Six of Herb of Grace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Herb of Grace by Rosa Nuchette Carey. Chapter Twenty Six. I see light now. Every man's task is his life preserver. Emerson. Life is an opportunity for service. Dr. Westcott. It is in the silence that follows the storm, and not in the silence before it, that we should search for the budding flower. Hindu proverb. One gray October afternoon, a fortnight later, Malcolm was walking down Victoria Street when he came face to face with Colonel Godfrey. The colonel, who was full of business as usual, seemed unfeignedly pleased at the meeting. "'This is a stroke of good luck!' he exclaimed in his hearty way. "'You are just the man I want, Eric. I was rather in a fix, and was going to Victoria for one of those boy messengers, but you will do my business for me, like a good fellow. Have you anything particular to do?' "'Nothing special. I was only going to the Army and Navy stores for some stationery.' Then the colonel looked still more delighted. There! I was sure of it. My wife is in the tea-room at this very minute expecting me to join her. I should have been punctual to the minute, only I came across Erskine of ours. He wants my advice about a mare he is thinking of buying, and he was so pressing that I felt I must send Catherine a message. And I am to do the job for you? All right. Barkis is willin'. And then they both laughed at the familiar words, for Colonel Godfrey loved and studied his Dickens as some men study their classics. "'Tell her to be at the entrance at a quarter to six, and I will be there. Well, I must be off. Erskine will be waiting for me.' And the Colonel saluted Malcolm, and marched off with his head in the air, while more than one fashionable lounger turned round to look at the fine soldierly figure." At this hour the refreshment rooms at the Army and Navy stores were generally crowded, and for two or three minutes Malcolm searched them vainly, before he discovered Mrs. Godfrey sitting alone at a table at the other end of the long room. She gave an exclamation when she saw him. "'Life is full of surprises,' she said, with the bright vivid smile that always welcomed her favorite. "'Alec promised to join me here.' And Malcolm sat down beside her and gave her the colonel's message, Mrs. Godfrey was evidently well used to these messages, for she received it with becoming resignation. "'I have ten minutes to spare,' she observed serenely, "'so you had better order yourself some tea, and we can tell each other our news. By the by, how long have you been in town?' And when Malcolm told her nearly a month, she seemed surprised. "'I made up my mind you were still at Staplegrove,' she replied. "'Though, now I come to think of it, there has certainly been no mention of you and Elizabeth's last two letters. By the by,' turning to him with her customary quickness, but Malcolm was just then studying the menu. "'What do you think of this engagement?' "'I think it is for me to put the question to you,' he returned with admirable sang-froid. But one hand clenched itself so tightly under the table that the marks of the nails were in the palm." "'Then I may as well be frank and tell you that I would forbid the bands if I could. "'Elizabeth ought to have married better. "'She is far too fine a creature to throw herself away on David Carleon.' "'He is a very good fellow,' observed Malcolm rather feebly. 
It was hard lines that he should be expected to discuss this. Oh, yes, he is a good fellow, a little contemptuously. I remember I liked him very well when we were down at the woodhouse this spring. There is nothing to say against the young man. He is as good as gold, and an excellent clergyman, and he is gentlemanly, too. Both the Carlians are that. But, very decidedly, he is not good enough for Elizabeth. Malcolm agreed with every word, but he dared not trust himself to say so. He waited a moment, and then said quietly, "'It seems that Miss Templeton holds a different opinion. She appears quite satisfied with her choice.' "'Satisfied,' and here Mrs. Godfrey gave a little laugh, "'to judge from her letters. And we have been corresponding pretty freely lately. One would think she was a girl in her teens. She is absurdly happy. Even Dinah says so.' But between you and me, I don't believe Dinah is a bit better pleased than the rest of us. What does the colonel think? asked Malcolm, feeling as though he ought to say something. Oh, Alec always agrees with me, though he expresses his ideas rather differently. He took quite a fancy to Mr. Carlyon, and they were always together last spring, so of course he will not say much, only he will have it that he is not big enough or strong enough for Elizabeth. She will master him and make him look small. That was what Alex said. They are not to be married until Easter, I hear, and Dinah wishes them to live at the woodhouse. Malcolm had never felt anything like the sudden throb of pain that shot through him when Mrs. Godfrey said this. He grew so pale that she rose hastily, thinking the room was too hot for him. Shall we go downstairs? she said kindly. The atmosphere of this place is quite suffocating and Malcolm agreed to this. He was just thinking that he would make some excuse to leave her, when to his chagrin she led the way to the little waiting-place by the entrance, and, seating herself, beckoned to him to follow her example. "'There is something I ought to tell you,' she said rather seriously. "'It is nice and quiet here, and there is plenty of fresh air. You are not looking the thing, Mr. Herrick. You are thinner, much thinner. I am afraid you have been working too hard.' "'Oh, no, I cannot lay that flattering unction to my soul,' he returned. "'Is this what you have to tell me? "'For in that case I must remark that I have about a ton of stationery on my mind. "'No, do be quiet a moment.' "'And her faultlessly gloved hand rested on his arm. "'There is really something I want to say. "'You know we saw Cedric when he was staying at Fettercairn?' "'Malcolm's forced rigidity relaxed. "'Oh, yes, Cedric told me that in one of his letters.' The Wallaces are nice people, and in our cramped quarters the hall was rather refined. Sir Richard and my husband took to each other, and Lady Wallace and I followed suit. That must have been a pleasant sort of arrangement, observed Malcolm. I liked the girls, too. They were so honestly, frankly ugly, and they were so good-natured, and so delightfully aware of their shortcomings, that they were quite refreshing. Fancy Martha, the eldest girl, saying to me seriously, Dick is the only one who takes after mother and father. He is really nice-looking, you know. But Ailey and I are a couple of squat little toads. Now please don't laugh, Mrs. Godfrey, she went on, for we are very fond of toads, and they have such bright projecting eyes. What on earth could I say? For indeed poor Martha is almost grotesque-looking, and yet one can't help loving her. I know I had a fit of laughing, and both of them laughed with me. Cedric always said they were good sort of girls. Cedric, oh, he is their hero. 
By the by, Mr. Herrick, did you know the Jacobis were staying a mile and a half from Fettercairn? Ah, I thought so, as Malcolm started and frowned. I was sure that bad boy never let any of you know. Were they there all the time? Yes, they all travelled together. Mr. Jacoby had taken the cottage they called Shepherd's Hut, because at one time Sir Richard's shepherd lived there. But a room or two has been added, and people take it for the fishing. Alec rather thought of it himself, only the rooms are so small, and one of the chimneys smoked. We were far more comfortable at the shooting lodge. I suppose Miss Jacoby was there, too? Of course she was there, in a significant tone, and Cedric and Dick Wallace spent most of their time with them. I believe they fished, and wandered over the moors, and when they were not at Shepherd's Hut, the Jacobys were at the hall. Mr. Herrick, I am afraid, I am really afraid, that that foolish boy Cedric is head over ears in love with Leah Jacoby. It looks rather shady, acknowledged Malcolm. He is not the sort of fellow to keep things to himself. Then, with a sudden change of tone, did you tell his sisters? I just mentioned the fact of their being there, and then Elizabeth's engagement occupied my attention. Young Dick was half in love, too. Miss Jacoby is really very handsome, but as Alex says, she ought to marry a man at least ten years older. My dear lady, she will never marry Cedric. She is only fooling him a bit. Don't be too sure of that, returned Mrs. Godfrey quietly. You know I am rather observant, and it struck me more than once that Mr. Jacoby was playing a double game. He seemed at one time to take a great deal of notice of Dick Wallace, and Cedric was rather shunted. But one Sunday afternoon, when Mr. Jacoby and Sir Richard had been having a long walk together, he suddenly changed, and Cedric was in favor again. "'I am afraid I don't quite follow you,' returned Malcolm, who certainly did not understand what she meant to convey to him. Mrs. Godfrey arched her eyebrows in surprise. "'My dear friend, you are not generally so dense. Don't you see the poor man had never heard of the existence of Ralph Wallace?' and so he thought master dick was heir to the baroncy voilà tout oh i see light now sir richard who was immensely proud of his eldest son entertained his companion with graphic descriptions of ralph mrs ralph and all the ralph olive branches and of course mr jacoby was immensely interested but he was rather cool to poor dick that evening and now cedric is in the ascendant again Malcolm reflected for a moment. Then he said in rather a puzzled tone, "'Of course I see my bearings now, but all the same I am not out of the fog. At the garden party at the woodhouse Jacoby was evidently fishing for information, but he got precious little, I can tell you. But I remember he seemed to know far more than I did about the Templetons.' Here Malcolm's voice unconsciously changed. He even told me about the tin mine that had been discovered on a Cornish farm that belonged to them. I wonder where he got his information, observed Mrs. Godfrey thoughtfully. But he was quite correct. Mr. Templeton was not a rich man by any means. He was just a country squire with a moderate income, which his first wife brought him. And, of course, her money was left to her daughters. Cedric is absolutely dependent on his sister's. "'Oh, Jacoby quite understands that.' "'So much the better. "'Well, then, three or four years ago this mine was discovered, "'and that beggarly little farm has brought them quite a fortune. 
Elizabeth told me that their income was nearly doubled. Oh, then Jacoby was right when he said they were rich. And then Malcolm smiled bitterly as he remembered the two maiden ladies of uncertain age. Of course he was right. Dinah was talking to me on this very subject last May. She said then that she felt that Elizabeth would marry, and that in that case she would like her to have the woodhouse. Of course I am telling you this in confidence. Cedric will be my heir, she continued, but I do not wish him to know this at present. It will be better for him to work, and not eat the bread of idleness, and of course I approved of this. Now, Mr. Herrick, I must not wait a moment longer. Why do you not come down to the manor-house for a quiet Sunday?' but Malcolm excused himself. He was busy. He had been away so much. He could not take any more holidays and so on. Mrs. Godfrey looked as though she hardly believed him. "'It would do you good,' she persisted, looking at him very kindly. "'This week we have a young American coming to us for two or three nights, Hugh Rossiter, the famous bear-hunter. I have often mentioned him to you.' alec is devoted to him he says of all the acute yankees he is the acutest and that he could see through any number of brick walls no i will not ask you to meet him bears are not in your line come the week after but malcolm shook his head much as he valued his friends and dearly as he loved to be with them the manor-house was the last place for him just then elizabeth's name would be frequently mentioned and there would be constant references to the woodhouse and he fancied that at some unguarded moment he might betray himself at present mrs godfrey had no suspicion she very naturally attributed his jaded looks to overwork and he had been able to mask his feelings except at that one dreadful moment when she spoke of the intended marriage, the sudden sickening pain at his heart told him that he could not trust himself. As he walked towards the station, when he had done his business, he pondered over all Mrs. Godfrey had told him. Was it possible that the sisters had known all these weeks that Cedric had been thrown into daily and hourly contact with Leah Jacoby and her brother? Was it likely that Cedric had told them that there was even such a place as Shepherd's Hut? Perhaps he did not mean to willfully deceive them. Very probably he had his excuse ready. Malcolm could almost hear his words. I said nothing about the Jacobis, because I knew your prejudice, and I did not want to fluster you. I thought Mrs. Godfrey would spin her yarn, and I left it to her. It was not my fault if the Wallaces took to them, and that they were often up at Fetter Cairn. Some such words Cedric would say when he saw his sisters— what a blessing term had begun, and he was back at Oxford. He was safe from the Jacobis there. They would be in town, probably, and then the fancy came into his head that he would find that out for himself before he went home. His evening hours always hung heavily on his hands, and a walk more or less would not hurt him. That was the best of living with Bohemians. No one questioned his movements, or took it amiss if he were an hour or two late for meals. He knew where the Jacobis lived, Cedric had told him, at twelve Gresham Gardens, so he went on to Queen's Road by train. It was quite dark by that time, but he would just pass by the house and see if it were lighted up. His curiosity to know if they were there rather surprised himself. 
when he came in sight of number twelve the door opened and unwilling to be seen he stole into the portico of the next house which was dark and uninhabited and waited there for a moment he could hear sol jacobi's voice distinctly smooth and unctuous as usual and leah's deep flute-like tones chiming in suddenly a young man he guessed was answering her you will not be late on monday i always like to be in good time for a new piece that is so like a woman interrupted her brother in a jeering voice don't attend to her old fellow we have seats in the stalls and you can please yourself you bet i always do that was the answer in a slightly nasal tone ta-ta jacoby and then a muscular active-looking young man ran down the steps malcolm had just a glimpse of a lean brown face and deeply set eyes and then the door closed another string to the jacoby bow he thought as he followed him slowly i wonder how many he has and then as he walked back to the station he made up his mind that as soon as possible he would run down to oxford and have a talk with cedric i think i could manage it on friday or saturday he thought i should soon find out for myself if those people have done him any mischief malcolm felt his conscience easier when he had planned this mrs godfrey had really made him very anxious about the boy that evening he was less self-centred the conversation had roused him it gave him a dreary sort of satisfaction to know that there was still something that he could do for her he ate his supper with something of his old appetite, and the next evening he went to Queensgate and made himself very pleasant to his mother and Anna. "'I think I shall run down to Oxford to-morrow or the next day,' he said casually, as he bade them good-night, and look up Cedric Templeton. And he was still in the same mind when he woke the next morning. He would go to Lincoln's Inn and open his letters and see if he could get away that afternoon.' but as he entered his chambers malachi handed him a telegram that had just come it was from the manor-house please come at once hugh rossiter here important news about jacoby godfrey End of chapter twenty six